0: Hello and welcome to Ode to Games. I'm Kevin and joined alongside Logan Plant. How you doing, Logan?
1: I'm all right, Kevin. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're going to save the What We've Been Playing segment for later on in the show because we have things to talk about that are more important than gaming, have, uh, have reached out far wider uh, than our sphere, and that is the death of George Floyd back on May 25th at the hands of a white police officer. Other officers standing by, they didn't do anything. They just were on looking at the scene and that has caused widespread protests in nearly every major city in America, as well as other cities around the world and Europe. And we've seen things in Australia, all of these places having their own movements in response to this. And it has opened up an even bigger dialogue for the black lives matter movement online with gaming companies, uh, lots of people spreading the black lives matter movements message and uh just it it i don't know how else to how else to say it but it's it's crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. what what you're you're around where protests have been taking yeah. place any thoughts from you on uh, on everything that has been going down in the past about week and a half
1: yeah i've just been very very surprised and and almost impressed by a lot of reactions from companies online we have a story later getting to sony postponing their playstation 5 event and and participating in the blackout tuesday to ampl- amplify voices in in the black lives matter community um plenty of other outlets as well like ign participating as well not publishing any content of their own instead just promoting these voices that uh that need to be heard right now and so just kind of seeing this this huge movement both in the streets and all these cities and online has been really something to see. And as for our part in it, um, I think sometimes it's hard to know what to say in these situations. I mean, I have not had a a long history with outspoken activism. I rarely use social media as it is, things like that. So it's been kind of hard for me to know what to do right now. So I think it's also important to just uh, educate yourselves and, and listen to these, these voices that are out there. I mean, if you're not, If you don't know exactly where to go, stick to the things you're comfortable with. I mean, uh, IGN has been making uh, strides this week to have someone from the black community on each of their podcasts this weekend, and and they're taking a few minutes out of their shows to to talk about everything that's going on. Kind of Funny just had uh, an episode of the Kind of Funny podcast called Black Lives Matter, where they spend a ton of time discussing it there as well, so... If you don't know where to venture out to educate yourselves and find these resources to, to really learn what's going on and kind of discover your own part in all of this, there's places for you to go to, to kind of learn about this. And that's been something helpful for me this week is I don't have the words to add to the conversation. I don't know what I would say um, to to kind of help. I don't know necessarily where to donate. And there are tons of resources out there to find places uh, that, that you can take a part in this if you choose to and you can help. So I think that that's something important is that it's okay if you don't know your exact place in this right now because it's a very complicated and, and confusing issue for a lot of people. But there are tons, more than ever, places to to go out there and find out how you can find your place in everything.
0: You mentioned the uh, statements by a bunch of different companies, and a lot of times that can seem very tone deaf in how they put those together. And some of them are, but I do really support the, the companies that are trying to do something and donating and trying to amplify uh, voices in uh, the black community, whether it be, you know, like IGN and, and kind of funny doing those podcasts and, and trying to amplify those voices or companies like Nintendo that were doing donations to a lot of these different groups. I really support the companies and organizations that are actually trying to do something to, uh, to help out these communities. And it sucks that, that this, this event had to happen, but it's amazing to see how so many people have come together for one major cause. It it really sucks that this, that an event like this had to take place for it to all come together. But it's, it's been great to see so many people coming together to try and support this movement. It's been, it's been great to see.
1: And OT Games obviously condemns racism and stands with the black community on this. And I know, like I mentioned, I'm actively trying to find my place in all of this, and I'm sure that Kevin is and Zach is, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. So PlayStation,
1: they they pulled a really
0: good move around where this was all was all kicking off, and they had a big event that was planned, but they, uh, they decided to postpone it, didn't they?
1: They did, yeah. So uh, last week, we were we were just talking about it, that there were rumblings of the, the PS5 uh, announcement taking place this week, and then they announced it on, what, Monday or, or sometime last week, and then uh, in light of all the protests early this week, Monday or Tuesday, they said, no, we're, we're postponing this indefinitely to let the voices that need to be heard be louder right now, basically. So uh, still no new date on that, but it was the right call, uh, definitely the right time for this, so... Not sure when that's going to be. Also, IGN Summer of Gaming was supposed to kick off Uh, today. This was supposed to be the first day of reveals and events and things like that. That was postponed. It's kicking off next week. I think Monday the 8th is going to be the first day of content for them, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some PS5 stuff come out maybe next week, too. I kind of thought they were trying to get out ahead of IGN summer of gaming and all these other announcements that we're going to start rolling out so they can be the first ones to really message the PS five before the floodgates open of, of announcements this summer.
0: Yeah, but it it was a great move. You don't want anything like this to Mm -hmm. take away from everything that's going on and the messages that are trying to, to be getting out there for the black lives matter movement. So that was, that was a great move early on by PlayStation Mm -hmm. to just postpone it later date, just not, not our time to be, to be putting this out right now. Good mm-hmm.
1: move. Yeah. So curious to see when we'll see that now, but I don't think anyone took, took any, any blame or anything like that with Sony for delaying oh. this. It was absolutely the right call. And I think pretty much everybody saw that.
0: Uh, no rush, no rush on, uh, yeah. on when that comes out. It'll, it'll be out when, when the world is ready.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then IGN, same thing. Good move on them by, by pushing that thing to, to next week. I uh, just give this, this, it's time to, breathe and and let everyone just have a couple days to reflect and really think about everything that's going on rather than rushing into this this flurry of announcements they have planned so games will always be there um, when the world is ready for them and i know we're all still excited for all these summer announcements in the ps5 but this week's just not the time yeah so be curious to see see when we do get that i i honestly would be surprised if it's next week since ign feels that next week is is okay to to bring it back and and go with the announcements, but we'll see how the state of, I guess the protests and, and the unrest is over the weekend. I'm sure,
0: I'm sure it's just going to be a, a fluctuating situation throughout, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the weekend and then into next week. And it's definitely something that they're just going to have mm-hmm. to, to play by ear really. And, and try and take measure of, of what's going on and see if they should continue to push it back or, or if they feel that, that they're, they're ready to to move forward with some of these announcements. We'll see.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I think we're ready to move on from that. Uh, kind of a difficult topic to start the show with, but one that we we felt we needed to talk about here on the show today. So I'm glad we did that. But uh, Kevin, want to want to move on to some lighthearted stuff now?
0: Sure. Let's uh, let's do that.
1: All right. So, Pokemon Sword and Shield expansion pass had a new trailer. Uh, I didn't watch it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: maybe maybe there's some new stuff in there. One, I didn't play the original Sword and Shield, so my interest in it is already very low, Mm -hmm. but the last time they showed a trailer, it felt like the exact same trailer they showed in the announcement for these Mm -hmm. DLC packs. So maybe
1: there's some new stuff in there, but when I saw that, I'm just like, ah, there's more of the same stuff. Like, whatever <laughs> yeah and last time they showed it was there remember it was in their nintendo direct mini after the biggest direct drought of all yep. time and then they're like okay we have one more thing to show you and then it was the same pokemon information we'd seen before there i don't think there was anything new in that no there wasn't back then we probably sound i i'm sure there was new stuff today uh, in, i would hope in so the i would really hope so so that's out there if you're interested I have just really fallen off the, the sword and shield wagon. Right after I beat it, I put that thing away, have not popped it back, in since lent it to Zach. Uh, he plowed through it, and same thing. It's just a very forgettable experience. I hope for the people who are sticking with it and plopping down the money on this expansion, I hope it gives them content and value for the dollars that they're putting into this yeah. thing, um, because the original, the content, was just just not really there. So that'd be my hope. Yeah. I'm curious to... It's coming out this this summer. Uh, and I'm just part, interested part to one see, of it, yeah. yeah, what kind of the reaction is at that point uh, after
0: after I, it drops. I definitely hope that for the people that bought Sword and Shield day one for sixty bucks and are buying this day one for thirty, mm-hmm. that the entire experience, all put together, is worth the nearly hundred dollars that you're spending on this as a whole. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's coming out June 17th. Uh, the Isle of Armor with the Crown Tundra is still coming out later this year. Uh, and I also saw they revealed Galarian Slowbro, so new form, new form of the bro.
0: Yeah, woo. Yeah, new woo. Galarian forms.
1: All right, so Pokemon. Let's move on from that. Days it of exists. days of play. <laughs> uh, PlayStation always does the sale. It Usually coincides with E3, and they throw in a little something about it. They usually have like the special edition console that comes out around this time too. But the the sale is live. You can get a year of PS Plus right now for forty bucks. A ton of PlayStation hits are on sale for 10 bucks, like The Last of Us. If you still don't have The Last of Us Part 1 from when it was free on PS Plus and all the other times it's been on sale for 10 bucks, now's the time to grab it uh, before The Last of Us Part 2 drops in, in just two weeks here, so just kind of wanted to put a PSA out there that this sale is live, and there are a ton of games on sale. Neo 2 just came out. It's down to 40 bucks for this mm-hmm. sale. And a couple other highlights I saw: God of War, I think, is ten bucks again. Horizon is ten bucks. All uh, Spider-Man, the Game of the Year edition with the DLC, is twenty bucks. So there's some good deals out there for for PS4 games.
0: The one time you can buy the PlayStation Hits version of the game and not hate yourself yeah. for having <laughs> the the disgusting like red stuff going on on the case.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I hate how those look.
0: They do not look good. No,
1: let's get rid of those. Yeah. But yeah, if
0: you're getting them digitally, who cares? Yeah. Take advantage and uh, get a bunch of games for pretty cheap.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, last week, Kev, we we talked about Sega and how they had an earth-shattering announcement lined up for this week. And man, oh man, it is not that earth-shattering. It is the Game Gear Micro. Uh, it is a line of four new micro consoles modeled after the Game Gear from the 90s that was out around the same time as the Game Boy.
0: And And... micro is putting it lightly. Oh, my gosh. This thing is small. Yeah.
1: I don't... Why is it micro? Like, why can't it just be a normal size?
0: So they have a Japanese trailer for it, and they have the console with, like, two sets of hands holding it. Yeah. And this looks like the length of your thumb. Yeah, it is. width-wise. And height-wise, it's even less. Like... Your thumb is as big as the two buttons on the side and as big as the whole, like, D-pad on the left side. This thing is tiny.
1: Yeah, it is absolutely tiny. And to me, Kev, that's not even the most egregious part of this thing. It's that it comes in four different colors and that each color has a different lineup of games. Yeah, each one has four games and they're retailing
0: for about 45 bucks. Between forty-five and fifty bucks, depending on exchange rate, which is crazy. So if you're if you're wanting to pick up the whole set of these things, that's going to cost you two hundred dollars to get sixteen games.
1: Yeah, that is that is ridiculous. And like you said, they're just so tiny. It's like I understand the micro consoles for the the NES, the SNES, the Genesis. I mean, the PlayStation was a failure, but that's for for other reasons. It's fine to do a mini version of a console when you can still plug it into your. Normal size TV, like the the screen is so minuscule. This thing is is just a. It's not to play. It's not to actually go back and revisit these games. It's just a novelty. Uh, and splitting the library makes no sense to me. This was a really just bizarre announcement. Yeah. So they have the dimensions of it. It's
0: eighty millimeters by forty three <laughs> millimeters by twenty millimeters. Man. And one and ten millimeters is a centimeter. So just, this thing is tiny. And Mm -hmm. even funnier than that, they're selling like a combo pack with all the consoles and it comes with a snap on magnifier to solve a problem that they made themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like they designed it and we're, we're so in love with just their, their design of it. And they're like, shoot, we need to make this actually playable. So like, it's crazy.
0: I see the mark. I see a very big market for some of these like retro mini consoles for like the SNES classic NES classic, Sega did the the Genesis. And there's a huge market for those. They have a bunch of games on there. The size doesn't really matter because you're plugging it into a TV and just playing it off there, and it's fine. I don't – like besides just crazy collectors, who is this for? Yeah. Because no no one's going to be like, oh, man, my first playthrough of Sonic the Hedgehog is going to be on a Game Gear micro where I have to just squint to see the screen. Or even someone that played it as a kid, who's going to want to play through the game on this?
1: Yeah. Nobody. And Nobody. there's better ways to play most of these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the, Nintendo had the Game Boy Micro, the, which was the last line of the Game Boy Advance after the SP. I believe it launched after the DS was out. So it was really, really late in the life cycle. And that thing is basically as wide as a Game Boy cartridge. So pretty similar to this. You just pop it in, and your cartridge is basically the size of the system, which is insane. Um, but those things, honestly, are, are pretty stylish. But just not functional. Like, I I don't know if that's a good way to play a game. And and this game gear screen looks even smaller than that.
0: Just seeing how the hands are holding it is so uncomfortable because when you're, when you're playing with a controller, it sits in the palms of your hands, but here you kind of got like crab fingers trying to hold onto it because it's not long enough to reach into your Mm -hmm. palms. And you're just kind of like holding it with your thumb and, like, your index and middle fingers in the back. Like, it looks so uncomfortable, the hold. Yeah. Not to mention
1: just having to squint to see the screen. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, it's, it's pretty terrible. Man.
0: I can definitely see someone picking up one of these just as one of those, like, joke things. They have those, like, super mini arcade cabinet things. I guess it can just be, like, a gag thing. Mm-hmm. But still, super weird. Yeah.
1: Very strange. Very strange
0: and it's only for Japan right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then uh Sega's doing some some other weird stuff this week. Kev, you want to talk about that for a bit? Yeah, I I feel like a lot of people don't really fully understand what's yeah. going on
0: here. They they're calling it fog gaming. So it's it's kind of like cloud gaming in a way and they're trying to utilize arcade games for it. So from what it sounds like they're using arcade machines after hours to help stream games. It's, it's weird. Like I don't fully get what's going on here. Um, (laughs) Uh but yeah, the description is that they're using arcade machines as the technical backbone of the service after business hours, allowing the arcade owners to profit from the, from the machines. Even when closed, the main idea is that streaming the games from a location closer to gamers would reduce delay. That comes from a screen rant article. Uh, quoting uh, from Famitsu. Okay, <laughs>
1: like, mm-hmm. and
0: that that was the the big announcement was this fog cloud gaming.
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah, and it was not the announcement that we thought it was going to be. It's maybe when we learn more about this. This could uh, turn into something of a value to a lot of people, but uh, it was just kind of a bizarre announcement to come off the heels of. Sega has a industry shaking reveal to make next week, and then this was just kind of left everyone scratching their heads. I think,
0: yeah. I, if you have these hotspots for cloud gaming at all of these arcades, that could be a really interesting idea, and I could see that having a really big effect on cloud gaming in Japan. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't it doesn't hold anywhere else because there's nowhere else that has this many arcades this close to one another. So this yeah. like earth shattering idea doesn't really have reach doesn't seem to have reaching effects beyond the Japanese market.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, <laughs> yeah. like it could be really cool having things a lot closer by, not having to deal with as much latency. But the way that they're setting it up, at least right now with the focus on the arcades, is is very centric to Japan just because of how many arcades there are in close proximity. Mm-hmm. Sega doing some weird stuff.
1: Yeah very weird
0: like merging with
1: xbox (laughs) or
0: just partnering with xbox for the new console yeah and then we get fog gaming also just the name sounds just (laughs) ridiculous yeah it is because it's like yeah yeah weird stuff sega i don't know the technical aspects i'm curious what the fog is in reference to like is there some fog in uh in arcades is it the (laughs) smoke from people smoking in there like I just want to know why they called it Fog Gaming.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to, too. Let's find out. Come on the show, representative from Sega. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Talk to you about why just, it's called Fog Gaming. Yeah. Please. I want to know. Yeah. But uh, a lighter news week in terms of concrete video game news, obviously, because of uh, every all the, the hard news we talked about at the top of the show. So that's, that's all the stories we got for today, Kev.
0: All right. What you been playing? Saving it for a little while. What, what yeah. you been up to? This this uh this last week.
1: Yeah, so I beat two more games. So mm-hmm. I am uh, back home visiting my family before I make a move. And so my sister and I did our yearly playthrough of The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. I think this is this is my ninth year in a row playing this game once a year. I think it's the fourth year in a row where I just sit down and we do it in one day, start to finish. Jeez, man, it's good. Just say it every year. I think I think it's the third time on the show I said it. it's just great. It's just great, and uh Kevin should should play it on a 3DS.
0: Still haven't played it.
1: <laughs> you yeah, should. You should. It's it's just so good every single time. Uh we we found out that we thought we might be doing two of the dungeons in opposite order as the developers intended, which is really interesting. Um Yeah, that that was that was a weird read to find that we always go to the graveyard when we're supposed to go to the desert. The map wants us to go to the desert. Navi's like, hey, you should talk around to see if anyone has a clue to where you go. Apparently, if you follow that that path of talking to people, it leads you to the desert. Everything wants you to go there. But we always do it in this opposite order. So I want to know, when we first watched my dad play it, like 20 years ago, did he do it in that order? Because it's just <laughs> the order he stumbled upon it, or what? I don't know. I did a bunch of digging online, and people are like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to go here first, but it's way easier to go here first, so everyone does. Oh, it's does. easier, too. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, you get some items. You get some items in the one in the graveyard, that help you out in the dungeon in the desert. Um, but if you get in the opposite order, the desert one is just a tiny bit harder and a little bit less convenient. But it's really strange, and it's kind of a mystery to me now, which is the right order. I think I need to get like an official strategy guide and read through From it. From back then. Yeah, and, and see like what order they go through them the dungeons in that game. But that was a weird discovery. I've played that game who knows how many times, and we were like, oh, we might be doing this in the wrong order. You get a, a medallion at each one, and on your little medallion screen, if you if you pause, the the desert one is before the graveyard one.
0: Oh, so it'd be like like uh, if you got a badge ahead of the other one in Pokemon, and it's got like a yeah. little badge list, and one's just like ahead. Yeah, uh
1: huh, exactly like that. So really strange stuff. Uh, a d- major discovery made on like my tenth playthrough ever of this game. Yeah. Cool that
0: you can go to something like that out of sequence.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, maybe uh, maybe Ocarina of Time is more open than people thought. Because then I started reading all this stuff. I went down the rabbit hole, Kev, and it was like, oh, yeah, you can technically do all five of these dungeons in any order you want. And they talked about all the ways you could do it. And someone's like, oh, yeah, I go into the water temple until I get the hookshot. Then I leave and I go and (laughs) and I do this other temple. And I was like, whoa, like you can do these in crazy orders.
0: If yeah. you just get, what, the like, dungeon-specific item that you need for a later dungeon or something like that, or something to access other areas?
1: Yeah, because I guess, like, as long as you make it to these locations and the cutscenes trigger, you can still enter these places and do it. You just have to—you'll eventually run into a roadblock if you don't have the proper items. But if you just go into all these dungeons, get the item, and, and peace out, and just—you could do them in any order you wanted, which is pretty cool that it doesn't, it doesn't get you out like that. I think some of the later 3D Zelda games pre Breath of the Wild do kind of gatekeep you from doing these dungeons Mm. out of order uh, until you until you reach that story checkpoint by beating them. But Ocarina of Time, apparently you can do them in any order you want, which was news to me. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: cool. Cool, too, that that uh, like there are those moments when you've been playing a game for like a decade and then you learn that you've been doing it different than everybody else. Uh I wasn't doing that. Like, yeah, or you or you find something new and you're like, what? Like how did I not know that after mm-hmm. playing this game front to back for the last like decade and a half? And especially it was fun to have those
1: moments with this one because it takes us about nine hours to sit down and beat it start to finish. And how long to beat it on of time is like twenty six and a half hours. So this is like a go go go. It's a rigidly linear experience because my sister and I we know beat for beat exactly what to go do next after every single event, and it's like. It was just kind of refreshing to start thinking about this game in a different way than I've been thinking about it for years. Like, oh, you could go here first. And that has never even occurred to me because it's always been this order in my head. So, I don't know. Next year when we play it, we might try and go in a different order. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. And change
0: up the experience a bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I started and finished another game. My sister and I have been wanting to play moving out for a long time. That looks kind of like a, it's in the same vein as Overcooked for sure, and it wears out on its sleeve. I mean, you boot up the game, even the world map is just like Overcooked. You're driving around in your vehicle uh, to each level. You can just plow through cars and trees, it doesn't matter, to get to these different levels. Uh, but instead of cooking stuff and delivering it to customers, you have to move furniture. So it, it's you start with like this house, it gives you an overview, like a, a bird's eye view of the house that you're going to be going through and moving everything out of. There are some items that need two people to hold on to them, to to haul them. There are some items one person can do by themselves. There are fragile items that shatter if you accidentally drop them. And then it basically just does the overcooked thing, where it takes that really basic idea of just moving furniture from wherever it is in the house to the moving truck at the bottom of the screen, and it just blows it up. You go in outer space at some points. You use conveyor belts at some points. uh, You have to... You have to herd animals into the truck at some point. It's just it's pretty wild. And I don't know what I think of it. I beat the whole thing <laughs> and I don't know if I like it. I, I really you don't, don't know if you
0: You don't know if you like it. This isn't even like, oh I, I you don't you don't it's not like, oh I love it or I don't love it. Like you don't even know if you like I it. I don't
1: know if I liked it or if I'm just like, eh. I honestly don't. It's overcooked, really? I think, is 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 an amazing game. I love just that experience of, it just ramps up the craziness and the difficulty. And each level, each world, it introduces these new mechanics that keep it keep it fresh. Like uh, in one, you have the cannons in Overcooked, where one player has to get in a cannon and another one has to fire them out to land on this platform where there's like a, a plate they need or like an in- ingredient that's only accessible that way. Moving out, it's kind of just hauling furniture and it just gets harder. Like, it, it never introduces that next thing that keeps it fresh. It's like, yeah, the levels get wackier, but there's all this chaos going on around me and I'm still just hauling this couch without that much different. It tries a couple times near the end with like these fans where you have to like wait for the fan to activate and then jump over the gaps Do you hover over to land on the other side, but it just, it feels samey. It, it never spices it up to the point I think it needs to. I feel like, there aren't enough ideas here quite yet to support a full game like Overcooked has in spades.
0: Yeah, and it seems to me that the food setting of Overcooked lends itself better to to being able to create a bunch of different gameplay styles because you can switch up the types of food that Mm -hmm. you're making, and that also means that you can swap up the amount or types of ingredients that you need. You can have Mm -hmm. an item that just needs like one or two ingredients and then something that needs four or five Whereas with furniture, I guess you could have different furniture, but it doesn't seem as malleable.
1: Yeah, and I I hate to keep comparing it to Overcooked because it does deserve to kind of be its own thing and exist on its own merits, but it's impossible not to, and it wears that influence so obviously. Another thing I was thinking about, thinking about these two games in comparison to each other, is with Overcooked, you constantly have like six things on your mind. You're like, okay, I have meat cooking... On the grill, I need to get a bun and a plate. Oh, the plates are dirty. Someone needs to wash the plates. I need to chop the lettuce and the tomato and put it on this plate too. So it's all these elements pouring into this one dish when with moving out, it's run over here, grab this chair, run back, put it in the truck, go get the next thing. And so it's just, it's a lot more one note in that way also in its mechanics and in its just actual gameplay loop of running back and forth to the truck. And there are some cool, like, battery ram mechanics, like maneuvering couches through doorways, throwing the stuff is is pretty fun, tossing it to each other. But it's just, I was ready for it to be done by the time that I finished it. And Overcooked, I go back and 100%, all the levels get all the stars, and this, we got bronze on almost every level and have no desire to to really go back, which I was disappointed with, but... Uh, I, I think I'm still glad I played it, but it's definitely not one I'm, I'm in love with or would necessarily recommend. All right. How much was it? It's 25 bucks. Ooh,
0: okay. That's, yeah. and how
1: long was it too? Probably played it for six or seven hours.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. When you got overcooked and overcooked two on there, it's a, hmm. it's a little bit of a tough sell.
1: If you really do like it, there's a demo. So I would recommend trying the demo. Because if you really like it, there's a ton of content in there that I just don't want to go back and do. So there's gold medal, which is time. So it's like if you load the truck in less than three minutes, you get a gold, four minutes silver, five minutes bronze. And so you can go and get all the gold medals in all 30 levels. And then there's also three challenges on each level. And it'll be like, oh, don't fall in the water. So if you fall in the water, just restart the level and do the whole (laughs) thing without falling in the water. Or it'll be fun stuff you have to kind of figure out and discover your own like score a basket and on one end there'll be a loose basketball hiding somewhere and on the other end of the house there's a basketball hoop and it's like oh if you just carry this and like dunk it through there's a challenge completed so there is stuff to go back and do and there's a lot of replayability value it just depends on whether or not it's something you have the desire to go back and replay so there is a demo i'd recommend trying if you really like overcooked if you haven't played overcooked and think moving out looks fun play overcooked because it is, (laughs) it's, it's just a better version and a better hook than moving out has. Unfortunately.
0: Mm. Yeah. All right. Good to know.
1: Yeah. But that, that's, I was a little disappointed because that's one I've been looking forward to for like over a year now. It was revealed, I think in an indie direct sometime Uh, in 2019. And I've had my eye on that one for a while. So last thing we, I played with three people total. So it was me my sister and my girlfriend. And a lot of times The third person just has nothing to do. Really? Which, which again, is never the case in Overcooked. Overcooked,
0: there's too much to do for everybody. All
1: the time. So I I would like to kind of experiment with different players just to kind of, so I can come back next week and and talk a little better about how it works for scaling to multiple players. But a lot of times it would be like, okay, um, I'll start on the one-person things while the two people I'm playing with work on all the two-person items of furniture. But there's usually way more two-people items than one. So I'm done hauling all the ones back to the truck. And they're working on maneuvering a couch. And there is literally nothing I can do. Because you can, like, drag the two-person furniture. But it goes, you're like a snail when you try and do that. It's not worth your time. So it's kind of like you just have to take turns. Like, okay, I'll wait here. And then when they finish hauling the couch, one other person comes and helps me haul the next couch But then that second person has nothing to do. It
0: just doesn't do... It's just, like, tapping in and tapping out. Yeah.
1: So that was something that was a little imbalanced. I'm not sure if they scale, like, the amount of one-person stuff to two-person stuff, the more people that play. But I felt like it was a little bit lacking in three players. There's also never, like, a three- or four-person piece of furniture. It only goes up to two. Um, And I thought since we were playing with three people, we might see a three-person thing. But that didn't happen. Huh. Yeah.
0: That's disappointing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I think that if there was a sequel to this game, I could see a lot of potential improvements with the multiplayer balancing and just kind of the, the gameplay hooks I could see getting improved a lot. Just keep making it zanier and adding new ways to deliver this furniture. Um, there were a couple levels that kind of got there, but I wanted it to go a little bit further. So that's my final thoughts on that moving out. It's been out for a while, but I, I just got around to it. Um, so. has it been out on switch for a while? I feel like it came out on like couple a months, steam and PC first. Yeah. It's been out for a, a couple months on switch. Um, okay. Yeah. So, that's moving out. And then other than that, just since I've been home with a bunch of classic games in my in my retro games library, been playing a lot of GameCube stuff like double dash
0: to call those things retro and I think
1: GameCube's <laughs> retro at this point,
0: man. It is, but I don't I don't want to sound like the, the crotchety old dude, mm-hmm. but those are the games that I played as a kid. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. I I know that they're retro
1: games now. I know that they are, but it's it's just weird to hear that. Yeah, so Double Dash is really fun. I uh, do the All Cup Tour, and man, this was my revelation. All Cup Tour. thing was brutal how long that thing is. Just like sitting down, just playing it forever. It used to be, but now it's only well, 16 fuck. races, and that feels like nothing. Oh, in comparison to the yeah. amount of tracks in the ones now. That's true. Because I have I have the exact same memories as you. of Like, it felt like... We were dedicating our afternoon to this. If my sister and I sat down when we were kids to do the all cup, just the tour. whole
0: game. And
1: like... now it's like I routinely do twenty five races when I play Mario Kart. I go boot it up with my family, play online with some of my friends. It's like, yeah, we do like twenty races minimum. And it's like that is more than an all cup tour was back in two thousand five when we were playing Mario Kart Double Dash. So yeah, it's it's crazy because it, it just goes by so fast. It only takes like thirty eight minutes to do an all cup tour now. Yeah. So that, that was kind of a wild revelation for me going back to that.
0: That's weird. Yeah. I have so many, I have memories of that thing just being this huge monumental task, this massive undertaking <laughs> yeah. to do because, because in a way it kind of is, because it's the whole game that you're racing through all the
1: tracks. Yeah.
0: But that is also true. I didn't think about it in the sense that now the Mario Kart games have so many more tracks that it just feels minuscule in comparison.
1: Yeah. We're going to talk more about Mario Kart later, I think, though. So I'll leave cool. it at that for now.
0: All right, yeah. Looking forward to talking more about Mario Kart. For me, it's been a pretty busy week. Uh, just Bug Fables.
1: Nice. And even
0: then, I haven't played it a ton, because I think I was around three or four hours, about three hours the last time uh, we talked. And now I'm a little over ten hours. I'm on Chapter 4. It's great. I really like awesome. it. Um I was talking last week how the graphics and the graphical style remind me more of Paper Mario on the N64 than it does the Thousand-Year Door. And so far the same holds true for the world design for a lot of it because I feel like when they got to the Thousand-Year Door, it was a lot more like, all right, it's a very similar formula to the first one. So we kind of have to step it up a notch in the worlds that we're going to, whether you're going to the Glitz Pit or Mm -hmm. on the train or Mm -hmm. in the crazy forest. Like, all these worlds are are very, very weird. With this one, it feels, not in a bad way, but it's so far through the first three chapters and the first three areas that I've been to, it's more contained areas, more more areas that you would come to expect from these types of games. You have, like, the first cave area. You've got, like, a desert area that you're going through. Uh, you've got, like, this fall area. And they're all very aesthetically pleasing. I like them a lot. I really like the uh, the fall area a lot and just, like, the falling leaves and everything. And, and and that area had a sense of verticality that was really cool when you're exploring it after you get to that town uh, that was a lot of fun as you're, like, climbing up to get to this boss fight. Um, but I would I would akin it more to the N64 version, both in, in the graphical style and in in the way the world is set up, but not in a bad way whatsoever. The last place that I went to was a factory, and it was really fun to go through there. They had some... Interesting puzzle mechanics that were a little annoying at times, but uh, but were were still kind of fun. The main issue that I've had with the game is the first strike mechanic. So in Paper Mario, you can do a first strike by either jumping on some jumping on an enemy, or if they or you can use a hammer. And some enemies you can't really jump on them, so you use a hammer instead. And there's something similar in Uh, In Bug Fables where you have one character that can throw a boomerang, one character that can do like this horn swipe with his head, and then one character that just freezes them that doesn't enact a battle but freezes them so you can use them for platforms. And I almost exclusively use the boomerang for it because the – when you're trying to use the horn to enact the first strike, it feels like you have to be so close to enact it that the fight's just going to start regardless. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you're using the boomerang, it can be a little bit finicky with where you're facing. So if the camera's pulled back a little bit, it's it ha, you have a hard time telling exactly where your boomerang is aimed. because with the paper aesthetic, it looks like you're facing one way or the other way. But you can kind of you can kind of be facing off to the left side a little bit or off to the right side. And if you're in close quarters with an enemy that can shoot projectile attacks at you, you're just like trying to run around, throw your boomerang and just avoid the the onslaught of uh of the of the projectiles that the enemy is shooting. Like there were some moments where I I couldn't do anything. They just like sniped me and then you have if you're playing it on hard mode, that's three enemies that can go through and attack you and just destroy you right off the bat. Uh mm-hmm. I I wish there it was a little bit more forgiving in that regard. Um and there are some puzzles where you have to use the boomerang to like move these gears to move platforms up. And it's like, oh, you throw it and you hold the button to hold the boomerang there and it spins and it spins the thing up. But you can only hold it at the very end of the throw before it comes back. So there are times where there's a wall right behind where the gear is and I'm just like slowly moving back a little bit, throwing it again, because if it hits that back wall, it's just going to come back to me. Mm -hmm. And so I just have to like, Make sure that I'm at a point where the boomerang hits the gear to turn it, but not so far that it hits the wall or not, you know, too far forward where it doesn't hit it. Mm -hmm. It's these little things that uh, that are really the only blemishes that I found in the game. Just these little things, mainly with just like the the overworld skills with the boomerang mainly. And then just first strikes in general are a little bit finicky, just not as smooth as they were in Paper Mario with the hammer. And uh, and jumping on enemies. But everything else has been fantastic. I love the areas that I'm going to. Um, putting the game on hard mode has completely changed the experience in a really cool way. Because in the last boss fight that I did, I was getting destroyed by this guy. And I felt like in the original Paper Mario games, I never really had to go back and reassess my medals very often. Mm-hmm. It was like, all right. Here's my medals, my HP up, my flower points up. Here's a couple extra skills, my power smash on my hammer. Like, you have your go-tos, and that's it. That's usually what you keep with. But in this last boss fight, I had to really get creative of how I wanted to use my my badges or medals. So I had a system set up where um, this enemy was floating, and I could only hit him with a boomerang. So I had one character who would get hit for more damage but would make the other— characters angry and boost their attacks so he would take the damage and he would give his attack to the character with the boomerang so i could hit them twice with a boosted attack and so it's just there's way more strategy that you can do with these badges and each of the badges a lot of them have both positives and negatives so you're trying to balance out what you want to have like if you want to have one extra attack which takes away a defense or it'll give you another attack but will make that weaker because you're getting tired like there's a bunch of different ways that you can use these metals and it seems like for the most part because of how different boss fights work they can all be kind of mixed and matched to fit each boss fight well and it's really cool to try and decipher how that all works and that was a lot of fun to try and figure out the correct build to get through the boss fight only problem is that it's a paper mario style game so you have to deal with the Quick time events. And so, especially if you're playing on hard mode, you're going to have to restart those fights a couple of times because you're just going to get to a point where they use one of their super attacks later on and just like decimate you. (laughs) Like, because you haven't seen it before. You don't know when to like press the button to block. Mm -hmm. And so, they'll just do like seven damage to every single one of your party members and just like rinse you. So, it's like you got to be prepared for having to do it a couple of times to get the quick time events down. But once you're there, once you have the quick time events down and you have your build all set out from the metals. It's really satisfying to get through some of these bosses on hard mm-hmm. mode. Uh, one other thing that I'll say, I really like the the side quest system. So obviously there's some fetch quests that you can do and, and that's all fine and good, but there's a lot of side quests that have to do with the main characters. Each main character has their own story specific side quests. There's other side quests that open up other areas of the world And for the most part, it feels like the side quests that you're doing have an effect on the world and give you tangible rewards. And that's the best thing with side quests. It's not just like, hey, here's this crap, give it to me, or something. And they're there. Like You don't have to do those if you don't want to, but it feels like there's a lot of quests that open up some cool boss fights and some interesting story tidbits as well that I don't really remember from the other Paper Mario games or a lot of other RPGs that kind of lack in that regard. Mm Um for as small a studio that made this game, I am continually impressed by how fully fledged the game is, how much content there is to do, and how good all of the content is. I again, I said it last week, but I highly recommend it for anyone who has either been interested in a Paper Mario style game or love those old games. Pick up Bug Fables; it will not disappoint you. It is it is fantastic.
1: Sweet, yeah, it's on my wish list. Gonna play it. But, yeah, Hopefully it, you can it pick it up
0: on, uh, on a sale sometime yeah. soon if uh, you have the time to, to dedicate to it. Yeah. I look forward to hearing what you think about it, especially from someone that hasn't really played the Paper Mario games, but more so watched them. I'm curious mm-hmm. to to hear your thoughts on on Bug Fables whenever you get around to it.
1: Played Color Splash. <laughs> woo <Woo-hoo. laughs>
0: Oh, man. I wonder—I I know that Color Splash sold absolutely horridly. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Bug Fables will outsell it. That Ooh. would, that would be hilarious. On Switch to me. alone. On Switch alone. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Probably. I could see it outselling Paper
0: Color Splash on the Wii U. <laughs> yeah, I could see that too. That would just be sticking it to Nintendo and being like, "Hey, man, this is what people want. Mm-hmm. You can make one of these games, and it'd still be good." Yeah. Oh, Bug Fables is so good. Let's talk about Mario Kart. We talked yeah. about it a bit before. Uh, let's do some Ode to Mario Kart. Haven't done that series yet. So you were talking about Double Dash. Where did you start with uh, with Mario Kart? What's the first Mario Kart game that you played?
1: Mario Kart 64. It was okay. the first one I played. Same. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been with my family since then. So yeah, we got Double Dash and Wii and 8 uh, on Wii U. And then... On my own, I played Super Circuit, I played DS, I played 7, and then just last year, two years ago, my roommate and I at college, uh, I plugged in my SNES Mini, and we got gold on all the cups on Super Mario Kart, so I have played, I've played every Mario Kart, I've even played the crappy arcade ones. That, that have like pac-man in them and stuff i've even found those in some arcades and played them but
0: yeah I've, yeah I've played those a fair amount too the best part of them is just the picture that you get to take <laughs> at the beginning for the license and you can just make it ridiculous yeah they're not that best great
1: uh but i've played <laughs> the every value proposition is pretty poor yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> the amount of money you've spent on it for like one race.
1: so i played every mario every console mario kart extensively but my first one was was 64 how about you
0: 64 as well. I didn't own it. I would uh, go over to uh, to a friend's house and play it. And I remember it would blow my mind that we like the two tracks that I remember were Royal Raceway for Peaches Castle. We'd always just like drive over to the side and oh, just mess yeah. around. There. Mm-hmm. And then Calamari Desert because of the train. And it, I don't know. I liked trains as a kid, and it was so cool that you could like drive on the tracks and just get destroyed. We would try and like drive into the tunnel and it yeah. wouldn't like work, like. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mario Kart 64 has a bunch of tracks that just stick in my mind for being, like, really, mm-hmm. really different from a lot of the other tracks in other Mario Kart games.
1: One of the things I like about Mario Kart 64, I mean, they all games have just gotten less brutal as time has gone on, right? And that's mostly a good thing, I think, just making them more accessible and, and fun to play rather than difficult and somewhat frustrating but yeah, Mario... a lot of those
0: games. It's it's the bogus difficulty yeah. that we can that we can get rid of.
1: But Mario Kart sixty four had this level of difficulty that was just so fun, like Wario Coliseum or Wario <sighs> Stadium. I, I don't remember what it's called. Oriole Coliseum, yeah, I think it's Coliseum. Yeah, but there's that jump in the middle of the track that if you lightning someone when they if you're like screen peeking, oh yeah, and you lightning boned. someone, they lose like a third of the track and have to redo it. And nowadays, if that track got remade, like it would just Lakitu would bring them back up to where they were and they'd get to go fresh. But Chaco Mountain, like if you if you were oh, driving man. on the ridge and fell down, you'd have to flip it around and get going. Like there's a lot in that game that's like that. I mean, Toad's Turnpike, that got remade in Mario Kart 8. Now, if you hit a truck, you just like tumble forward. On Toad's Turnpike on N64, if you hit a car, you're flying like 30 feet into the air before you're yeah. coming back down. So I, that's one thing I really like about 64.
0: Shout out to seven-year-old me thinking calling it Toad's Turd Pike was like the funniest joke on the <laughs> planet. <laughs> nice. Also, I remember the blue shell being real weird in that one. Like, I don't know. That's before it grew wings, and now the yeah, wings are gone again. It was on the ground, and I just, I, I remember it not always working. Like, I remember it being real finicky. Like sometimes it just it would just wouldn't work. I don't That's know. Weird. Maybe I was just a kid and was stupid. But like, yeah. God, I, I, I feel like there are times where it just wouldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, it's the same thing with just the other shells. Uh, and then after sixty four, I had Double Dash on the GameCube. I I played a little bit of Super Circuit. I think a friend had it, but I never had That's it. That's okay. Uh, basically, <laughs> after basically starting with Double Dash, I've owned every Mario Kart since then. Mario Kart Wii, the DS, Mario Kart Seven, both handhelds, and Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Now I didn't have it on Wii U, but I got it now, so mm-hmm.
1: that counts. It does. Uh, you don't have the well, original, the original Mario Kart Eight Battle Mode, which is an absolute mess. You do not own. Oh that. my. God, where you're just like on the track, yeah, and doing the battle mode just as like a regular race, and it makes no sense, yeah, it's terrible, yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to go like entry by entry? That might actually be a fun way to do this since we've all played them all, all right? Let's let's do it. Well, uh, the original Super Mario Kart, I, I think I played like very
0: little of what, what will be your thought playing through it recently, uh, to get all the the cups or whatever.
1: It's really hard. Like, you basically have lives, like a classic, like a 2D Mario game, like how you have <laughs> one-ups. And if you lose, you have to, if you get below fourth place, I think, if you get bottom half, you lose a life and have to redo that race to keep going through the cup. So it sounds brutal. awful. But really, the there's some purists who say Super Mario Kart's the best one. It's not. It's definitely not. Um, Double Dash, you could argue for that. But I think 8 Deluxe is far and away the best Mario Kart ever. But the thing I like the most about replaying Super Mario Kart is seeing the stages that have been remade in later Mario Karts that just look gorgeous now and going back and playing the original source material I think is pretty cool. But as a game, I would just boot that one up to play with friends. I wouldn't. I know people who grew up with that one would and still do that, but I'm I'm not one of those people.
0: Would that be the pinnacle if, if Super Circuit... Didn't it also have all of the tracks from the uh, from the original? Does I think. It? I'm pretty sure it's like an unlockable. So if you're like a purist, I never that unlocked the... that, nor did I know that. From what I've heard, it's brutal. <laughs> so I don't blame you for that. But if we're talking purists, thinking that's the the purest Mario Kart, it'd probably be Super Circuit because it's got those and a bunch of other tracks too.
1: Oh my gosh! In the same vein. Get it. Unlock classic cups. You must complete the entire circuit one time with at least a gold in each race. Then play each cup at least one more time and collect a hundred coins. And uh-huh. then the... Oh man, I never knew that. That sounds like hell. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty terrible. Yeah, but Super Circuit, I'll just talk about that one too because it's it's pretty forgettable. Same thing, Cheeseland and Ribbon Road are both on Mario Kart 8 and 8 Deluxe and they're completely different. Like, they are just re-imaginings of the, the originals from Super Circuit. That's a forgettable game that I don't really have much love for. One of those ones where you,
0: you look back at some franchises that, that went to handheld back then, and you can look back on them and be like, yo, that was really cool for the time. Mm-hmm. And at the time when that was your handheld option... It's super cool. Oh, it blew my mind. But, yeah. But now, kid. where we're at, it's just
1: like, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter anymore. Because now, <laughs> unfortunately. now Mario Kart 8 is a handheld game on Switch. Like Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Super Circuit really didn't play it. All right, let's talk about Mario Kart 64 a little bit more. We talked about it a lot, but any other, any other thoughts on Mario Kart 64? Because I think that was the game that really kicked it into high gear. Were the you,
1: series. did you really care about battle mode? Are you a battle mode guy? <sighs>
0: Not as much as some people like Mm -hmm. I know there are so many people that had those like late nights of just doing battle mode. I would play it. I would play it on uh, on the GameCube one most often. I remember the pipe level the most of just hopping Mm -hmm. through the pipes and doing that. But I was I was never one of those people that liked the battle mode more than the races. I was just like battle modes there. It's fun when when you get bored of the racing. It's there and it's cool. But, you know, I I, it wasn't a huge deal for me as a Mm -hmm. kid.
1: Yeah. Uh, and me neither. I really like the new battle mode on 8 Deluxe. I think it's fun, and it has a bunch of different modes that I'll play from time to time, but I was never a huge battle mode person on 64. My favorite part was when I'd play with my whole family, my sister and my parents, and when you die, you become the bomb, and you can just run around and blow yourself <laughs> up to screw other people. That's my favorite part about battle mode. But yeah, just really good tracks on the 64. Like, I really like Chaco Mountain and, and the Koopa Beach is really good. And then the ones we talked about, like the Wario one and has a great rainbow road. There's really good tracks on that game.
0: Okay. What, what are your thoughts on rainbow road? Cause I remember I liked it as a kid, but now I find it incredibly boring.
1: The on 64 on 64. Oh yeah. It's, it's way too long. It's a marathon. And an there's nothing interesting. Marathon. It's just the it's just the Chain Chomp guy. Yeah. That's the only thing going on. Yeah, the so the eight remake of that one, which makes it one lap and takes it to a bunch of zero gravity stuff and has really pretty fireworks and chain chomps. It's amazing now. It's terrible on the original now.
0: Some of my favorite memories of, of Mario Kart 64 was playing it later
1: with some friends.
0: And this was on the Wii Virtual Console. Mm. And just trying to glitch the game out and like fall through the floor and everything. Like there's some <laughs> corners, uh, mm. both in Calamari Desert and Royal Raceway, where you can like go into the corner, just kind of like hop and like hop over stuff and like fall through the floor. There's the like the big jump in. Uh, in rainbow road where you can like jump off the track and just fly off into the corner oh, and die. Yeah. Like a
1: bunch of really good moments of just trying to break that game. <laughs> so I think, I don't think this is me. Mr. Misremem- misremembering. If you play with more than two people, there's no music, right? I don't know. I don't think
0: there's, music. I mainly played with, cause I had like one other friend that I would usually play it with. We didn't
1: usually have like a group of people that were playing. Mm -hmm. Was that a thing? I'm pretty sure if you play with three or four players in 64 that there's no music. And looking that up in double dash. If you play with three or four people, there's no computers.
0: Mario Kart 64. Is there a code to enable music in three and four player (laughs) mode? Yeah, weird. It
1: mm-hmm. just couldn't That's handle hilarious. it. All. Yeah, and then and then Double Dash, I'd always play with my family four players, and it would just be us four cuz you can't have computers on three or four players, I think.
0: All right, Mario Kart 64, good time. Yeah. Double Dash. I love Double Dash. Dash it's incredible. Like I know it's a lot of the nostalgia talking, but I adore that game. That that is the Mario Kart that I spent the most amount of time with. That was back When I was a kid and I could just like sit down and just play a game over and over and over and over again, unlock King Boo and Petey Piranha, which I remember being a real pain uh, to get Mm -hmm. that. Just like go through all these things. That was back when I could just play it forever. So many good memories of playing Double Dash. And that was probably at the height when I was playing it with a bunch of other people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I played a ton of Double Dash with my family. Uh, And my sister and I still frequently play it. We do the all-cup tour on the same cart, sort of like the team. Uh, oh really yeah and it's really fun because like one person's in charge of items in the back and the punching and then we switch every lap who's driving uh and so it's it's pretty fun to go through that we pick toad and toadette in the bullet bill car which has like five speed and one weight oh yeah you're just you're just flying around you get touched by any large character you fly off the track it's super fun to try and win win the all-cup tour that way yeah we were just talking about the all-cup tour it does not feel that long anymore 16 races that's only 16 tracks in the game and i mean there were starting with mario kart ds there were 32 and now we have 48 uh in the most recent mario ridiculous. Kart. ridiculous yeah it's insane <laughs> but i really love double dash i love it's i think rainbow road double dash is my favorite rainbow road in the series
0: oh yeah where you're like shooting through the, the like pipes and things yeah. and like going up and yeah some really good memories with that track i remember like it's like kind of the, what is it, the spiral up. I remember like flying off that a lot, uh-huh, like spiraling yeah. up the side. With all
1: the boost pads on the ground. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you like yeah. boost it right
0: off the edge and almost die. Mm-hmm. Uh, DK Mountain is another one of my favorites, the oh, one yeah. where you're rocketing up to the mountain, and then it's the trip back down. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and that also, <laughs> that, that video online of the, of the person trying to drive across the bridge, and they're just getting destroyed over and <laughs> over. They get hit off the side. They come back. They get hit again. They get they come back. Someone drives by and bumps them off the corner. Like, uh. if you haven't seen that video of someone trying to get over the bridge on DK Mountain, you should watch it. It's incredible.
1: I haven't seen it. That does sound incredible.
0: It's 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 hilarious. But that track is great. Yeah. Uh, what is? what is the Waluigi track on there?
1: Waluigi Stadium. It's the dirt Stadium. one. I have yeah. memories
0: of that too. I like yeah. that one a lot.
1: That was always my family's favorite. It would always be like our finale. Like when we decided we were done, that was where our championship race was, was always on that track. First, Baby Park is introduced H-Park. in Double Dash. I, just insane nonsense. I am not a huge Baby Park fan in the new one. I think Baby Park is at its best in the original GameCube one because in the new one, it's all like tilted because of the zero grab. It just doesn't feel quite the same, but I love Baby Park from from the from Double Dash. Another thing that's only in Double Dash is the special items, which are super cool. It's really imbalanced, because some totally suck compared to other characters, but each character having their own special I thought was a really cool idea at the time. And it gave birth to some items that are still here today, like the gold mushroom. No, I guess that was in previous ones. That's in 64. Oh, was? Oh. Yeah. It's like a was, yellow yeah. mushroom. It looks different than, like, the crown mushroom yeah. in, in Double Dash. Yeah. But, but I think that's a, that was a cool concept, but, like... Man, if you pick Koopa, it's like here's three green shells. It's like if you pick Toad, here's a gold mushroom that can catch you back up to first. Like, it's not the most balanced idea. Yeah. And then you've got uh you got King Boo and Petey Piranha that can have any of the <laughs> specials.
0: I mean, yeah. you gotta go through some stuff to unlock it, but once you do, it's just like I'm just gonna use them. Yeah. They get all of the specials. Yeah. Um But it's the most unique. It is the most unique out of all the Mario Kart's. Like I can I can look at Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and be like, objectively, that's the better game. Mm -hmm. It's got more tracks. It's got more modes. It's got more characters. Like, overall, it is the more media experience. But I look back at Mario Kart Double Dash, and it provided an experience that no other Mario Kart game did with the two characters on the Mm -hmm. one kart. Like, Mario Kart 8 is the amalgamation of a bunch of just each Mario Kart improving on the last. Mm Mm-hmm. But I can always go back to Mario Kart Double Dash and have a fun time. Yeah. Like, that, that's a really cool thing. With, with a lot of the other Mario Karts, whether we're talking like we're talking Mario Kart Wii or we're talking Mario Kart 7, a lot of these games that it borrowed ideas from, you know, beyond the, the two characters, because a lot of the ideas from Mario Kart Double Dash also carry over. I don't really want to go back to those old games. Mario Kart 8 is the game that I'd play if I mm-hmm. wanted to play any of those other games. But Double Dash still has a place that mm-hmm. I'd go back and play it now, and I think that's special.
1: Yeah, I think that I think Double Dash and 8 stand at the top of the Mario Karts. In my opinion, I think those two are, are the best. But DS, if you're ready to move on from Double Dash. Yeah. So Mario Kart DS, I think, was a total game changer in the retro tracks that it added. That blew my mind when I was a kid. It's like, here are 16 more tracks. Oh, and they're your favorites from the previous Mario Kart games in the series. I thought that was such a fantastic idea that has now... Been fully realized now that we're in HD with these just gorgeous remakes of old tracks. Because I actually went and revisited a DS the other day. I'm to- just totally on a Mario Kart binge, and <laughs> I found that a lot of the tracks that were remade they didn't do that much to. Like the GBA tracks, the background. Oh, they look like
0: the GBA tracks. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: literally the GBA <laughs> background. Like there's. And the, the SNES ones, is the same thing. They just don't look that great. But it is an awesome idea. I'm glad that they went with it at the time, and I'm glad it's carried through through every main installment and wasn't a one-and-done for that game.
0: Yeah, we've we've gotten to the point where I do really appreciate the retro tracks a lot. I remember back in the day, though, when you could tell that a track was old. Yeah. And just like, oh, this isn't, this isn't as good as those other tracks. Like, I would not go and play one of the original... Um, SNES or Game Boy tracks ever. I would never want to do that. I, I, I'd love to go back and play the N64 version tracks or the GameCube tracks if they're being remade, but I never had an interest in playing mm-hmm. the SNES or, or Game Boy tracks because you could tell they're old. But now we're at the point where they're basically new tracks, just mm-hmm. taking just like – they're just spiritual successors to those old tracks, yeah. and it's really cool. Yeah, uh, The mission mode
1: on DS mm-hmm. –
0: that was something that has never really been revisited again. That was super cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was really cool. It was like playing through some crash team racing, like Mario Kart DS clearly took some inspiration from, from that game uh, with, with its story mode. And I think it's a really cool idea for Mario Kart that adds a lot of valuable single player content that I'd I'd love to see them return to. I don't think they're going to, I don't think that's something that we can see in the future, but it was super cool at the time.
0: It's been so long. I feel like they kind of just forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but that that was a really cool addition, and would probably be the reason to go back to Mario Kart DS now. Is mm-hmm. that that at this point that's kind of its defining feature that you go back to experience? Because like Double Dash's two characters, it's something that is unique to just DS.
1: And um, at the time, it was the first one with online play. It was the first online Mario Kart <laughs> it's ever. It's
0: true. I don't think I've really used that though. <laughs> yeah, I didn't
1: either. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know how that stuff worked really. Shout out to Rob for being a playable character.
0: Oh yeah, what a weird character choice that was. Yeah, it's just cool. In there. But as a kid, I don't know who that was. Yeah,
1: it's
0: a robot. And yeah. I'm just like, what a pick. And now we've just got them shoving all the Koopalings in there. it's like, come on. Yeah. That there's the cool extra characters. We're gonna talk
1: about eight later, but that is the only really the only gripe I have with eight is its character is its roster. But we'll we'll get there in uh, a second.
0: Yeah, Mario Kart DS. Great time. Mm-hmm. And having that thing on a handheld as, as content rich of an experience as that was, was super cool. Yeah. Back in the day.
1: Yeah, definitely. Was... Mario Kart Wii.
0: Oh, are you ready? I was just going to say
1: ready. that that was the game I got my DS with. I got it bundled with Mario Kart DS. So I played yeah. a ton of that when I first got it.
0: Mario Kart Wii. Um, <laughs> <laughs> turning, man, I still play Mario Kart with like family and they try and do the turning in every single Mario Kart game. I'm just like, no, I mean you can do that with with eight,
1: but like mm-hmm. we'd try and go back and
0: play double dash and then
1: just like oh I'm like, that
0: that doesn't work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I actually my family went all in. We got four Wii wheels and we played with all Wii remotes and that was the only way we were allowed to play it was with the steering. And I actually thought it was fun. I haven't played it like that in years. Like I haven't played Mario Kart Wii in years, so I'd need to go back and play it with the steering, but it, was, it felt like a big deal at the time. They, they really pushed it. On the box of the game, Mario and Luigi are holding the plastic Wii wheels. So, yeah. yeah, Did when you play Mario Kart Wii, did you primarily do motion, or did you, like, plug in a game controller, use a nunchuck? What did you do? I just did motion, because that's what the game wants you to do. Yeah.
0: But I also remember that I couldn't. I never really learned how to do the drift boosting in that. Mm-hmm. I remember it being real weird when it came to the
1: motion controls or something. There's something about it that I just didn't get. Well, there's automatic and manual. When I was a kid, I was just picked automatic, and then I realized that you you can't get boosts unless you pick manual. Like you have to you have to drift yourself and thing. get the boosts uh, to get the boost. You can only do that on manual. Automatic does nothing for you. Um, so that was something that I, I learned way later on in life. But yeah, it was it. It just feels weird. I'd like to go back and play it again sometime soon and, and race with motion and without motion and just see what it feels like because i haven't played that one in a long time yeah it's been a long time since i played that i remember having a bunch of good tracks though it has some phenomenal tracks koopa cape is amazing maple treeway is great maple uh,
0: treeway yeah
1: coconut mall is coconut is mall great. the the factory the Toad factory toad factory yeah mushroom gorge yeah, uh is a good one yeah yeah there are some really really good tracks on mario kart wii just some some awesome choices. Grumble Volcano is remade. There's there's some good remakes on that one too. Um, but yeah, I, re- I really do like Mario Kart Wii. It had it was the first one to introduce bikes and like um, way more choice in in what car you drove. I remember because DS started to have that. It was one cart per character, and then Wii just escalated it, and there were a ton. It was also the first one and only one to have like the you remember like the jumps you'd go off and like do the tricks. Oh, did tricks? And then yeah. And like come back down. Um, like the half pipe type thing. Uh, and it was the first one to have 12 racers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They all have eight except for Wii and 8. They all have eight racers, but Wii had 12. I forget how many features it introduced. I mean, again, it's, it's like at at this point,
0: once you get to Mario Kart Wii and beyond, it's just like each game is building off of one another. And I'm just like, eh, if, if I want to play something like this, I'll just play the newer one. Mm-hmm. But it did introduce a lot.
1: Yeah, better for worse
0: with like the motion controls.
1: Oh, <laughs> Moomoo um, Meadows is a pretty is a pretty course on the new one that oh, came yeah. from Wii. I'm looking up courses now.
0: Unfortunately, it's on the Wii, and that means the game don't look too good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't really want to go back and play it now because that game looks kind of nasty.
1: Yeah. But... Funky Kong is in it, which I always thought was cool.
0: Yeah, another another good character.
1: Yeah,
0: like like Rob, just kind of like an out left field character. Yeah. 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 Mario Kart Wii. I played it a lot back in the day, but it's one of those games that I just wouldn't really go back and play too much mm-hmm.
1: now. Oh, Wario's Goldmine. That was the one I knew.
0: I was Wario's Goldmine. Oh, Wario's a lot Goldmine. of these ones are also in newer ones, too. Yep. So it's just like, if I'm going to play Mario Kart Wii, I'm going to be playing Mario Kart Wii Tracks on <laughs> on something else. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then Mario Kart 7.
0: Not too many memories of this one. Really? Uh, yeah. I played a lot more Mario Kart DS than I did Mario Kart 7. Mm-hmm. Um I remember the like the hang gliding and the underwater things and I remember it not being as cool as I thought it would be. Like I played it and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Like you can glide, but I don't know, it didn't it didn't really shake things up all that much."
1: Yeah, I don't like the underwater sections. I still really like the hang gliding sections. I think at higher level play it really unlocks like like 150cc if you race at higher speeds and especially with 200 in the new one you can get a lot of shortcuts by trying to keep your glider alive as long as possible but the underwater i don't really like that much
0: yeah there's just again it's it's the same thing where it does i would just play mario kart 8 and it has a lot of the features that mario kart 7 introduced it had the uh the vehicle customization which is now in mario kart 8 another really interesting feature but it 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 just i just go play Mario Kart 8, and I didn't really play too much Mario Kart 7. In
1: defense of Mario Kart 7, I think it has an underrated, phenomenal set of new tracks. Not the remade ones. The new ones are really, really good. Uh, It has... I'm going to try and and pull up a list here. Jump to tracks. It has uh, the Daisy Hills, which is a really cool one. I think all the windmills and, and the sheep running through the road. I think that's a really nice one in the Mushroom Cup. Um, it has, here we go, full Mario Kart 7 track list. Oh, we got the WooHoo Loop and the Maka WooHoo, which are really cool. Those are not on Mario Kart 8. This was the first game to introduce the segment races, which I think is a really cool concept that I want to see them continue to use rather than laps. Uh, Rock Rock Mountain, I think, is a really, really solid track. Some cool hang gliding parts in that. Um, and then... Rosalina's Ice World. It's the only Rosalina track in all of Mario Kart, I think. And then it has a really, really solid Bowser's Castle and Rainbow Road that make good use of the hang gliding and the underwater sections. So I actually really like the track selection. And then it has awesome retro retro selections, too, with some Wii Ones, Dino Dino Jungle from the GameCube. Daisy Cruiser is on it also. So I actually think it just has a really good selection of tracks.
0: Yeah, I, I remember a lot of those tracks, but... Yeah, I guess I just didn't play it enough back then. Mm. I think I maybe I just got burned out by playing too much Mario Kart DS.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and when Mario Kart Seven came around, I don't know, it just didn't grab me as much.
1: Let's see what I else. Mean, you... It's a good game. But, yeah, it's really yeah, great. Just... It also introduced the Lucky Seven, where you have like all those seven items. Not like that at all. Because I just
0: mash. I just get rid of it. Yeah. Like, if you had the ability to somehow cycle through the items, and this is the same thing with Mario Kart Eight. To cycle through the items and use it strategically, it'd be a really cool item, but you Mm -hmm. can't. And so it's just like, I don't know what I'm going to need, a specific one of these items. I'm just going to go crazy and just dump them all and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, Mario 7. It's also, what, the first game uh, that was released digitally?
1: Oh, yeah. E-Shop? Yeah, for sure. That's cool.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I feel like a lot of the ideas for Mario Kart 7 were just moved over to Mario Kart 8 and got Mm -hmm. improved upon there. The underwater stuff and the hand gliding stuff, and you pair that with the zero gravity things, and then you have the return of kart customization. Mm -hmm. It just all comes together more in Mario Kart 8 Mm -hmm. to to make a a, a better full package with Mm -hmm. Mario Kart 8.
1: Mario Kart 8, the best Mario Kart game ever. I love it so much. It is a game that keeps on giving for me. I put in like 100 hours on Wii U. I've just passed 100 hours on Switch. I talked last week about how I just 100%ed it, got all the the gold car parts and uh, and finished every challenge that there really is. I just think there's a number of really game-changing things in Mario Kart 8 that, that just make it the, the best experience there is. First of all, it is gorgeous. The HD yeah. visuals and just... Nintendo games in HD have just been amazing and I think that game looks incredible. It is just so pretty to look at. I love all the courses. Um, Very dynamic looking. The water is great. Just all the effects. The sunset on Moo Moo Meadows. It's just all great. I love how it looks. The um, little things like Lakitu... You don't fall into the pit and sit there for 10 seconds anymore. You fall off, he swoops in, he picks you right back up and drops you onto the track, and you keep going, and it just keeps that momentum going. It's a benefit for for lower-skill-level players who can kind of be less frustrated and feel like they're still in it. Um, it, Oh, Mario Kart 7 brought the coins back. We didn't say that. The coins get back up to 10. Yeah, woo! (laughs) Um, And then Mario Kart 8 adds that the player in first can get a coin as their item, and... They can't have like a shell or a banana to hang behind their butt. And so they're more easily accessible to hit. And so I think that has made it better for balance. Uh, There's just so many little things like that, that I think Mario Kart 8 just does the best. And it's like just a complete solid package. It had DLC, which is amazing it added F Zero and Animal Crossing and Zelda and Splatoon. Like these other Nintendo franchises are invading Mario Kart, which I think is really cool and want to see them explore further. It just it just does so much that that I love and want to see built upon in, in future entries.
0: It's crazy to think about a Mario Kart eight that doesn't have some of those F Zero tracks or the uh, Animal Crossing or Zelda tracks,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because I feel like those are. Those are some of the best tracks in the game, especially some of the F-Zero ones. Like, Mute I play City. the most.
1: Oh, man, Mute City is amazing. I love that track.
0: Like, <laughs> I need those. Like, I can't imagine playing the vanilla version of Mario Kart 8. Like, you gotta have the deluxe version or have the DLC for the Wii U version.
1: Hey, well, when you didn't know that, that those existed, it was still my favorite Mario Kart game ever before they added DLC. that I think the track, the original tracks in this one, too, were great. Cloud Top Cruise is amazing. Mount Cloud Wario. Cloud Cruise, yeah. Mount Wario, I think, is... Yeah, Mount Wario. Maybe one of the greatest Mario Kart tracks of all time. Uh, Toad Harbor is a really nice earlier one. Swamp Ruin, Sweet Sweet Canyon, Mario Kart Stadium. There are so many cool tracks in Mario Kart 8. Man, it's What was the so good. Uh,
0: like techno type looking one? Electrodome.
1: The Electrodome, Electrodome is awesome. Is,
0: is really good.
1: Sunshine Airport. Yeah. It's super cool. Sunshine Airport, yeah. There's so
0: many good tracks, and then the way that they did the designs for some of the retro tracks too, and trying to mm-hmm. incorporate the zero gravity, which isn't that big of a deal, but it lends itself to, especially for the retro tracks, really being able to to mess with them and try and change things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, was one of the first times where I played some of the retro tracks. I'm like, yo, these are just as good
1: yeah, as sure. some
0: of the newer tracks that mm-hmm. uh, that are being introduced.
1: No, I agree. I do think they're they're just as good, um, and then. The biggest game changer for me in Mario Kart 8 is 200cc. So it's it's the new feature <laughs> they added. They added for free after launch. And it is all I play on now. If I'm not playing with someone who just hates it and refuses to play on it, I play on 200cc. It is so much fun, it requires so much more skill and is just un- it unlocked this new challenge for Mario Kart for me that had not been there for a very long time, just trying to perfect this new speed that the courses are absolutely not designed for. And that's what makes it awesome, is that the courses are designed for 100 or 150cc play where you can just have these easy, nice drifts around these corners and 200 is not like that. It, you have to use the brakes and it's just, it's fantastic. I adore 200cc and I've played probably more 200 than any other speed in Mario Kart 8 or 8 Deluxe at this point.
0: I still can't do 200cc. <laughs>
1: I, I guess I haven't played it enough,
0: but uh it it's more frustrating than fun for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just with the way I've played Mario Kart over the years, like it it forces me to change up the way that I drive a little bit too much and there's too much muscle memory in where I like drift around corners and things where if i do it the same way i've always done then i just slam into walls Mm -hmm. and i guess i just don't want to change (laughs) (laughs) the way that i've been playing these games for the last 15 years or whatever Mm -hmm. just haven't gotten just haven't gotten around to, to to really changing up my play style to to match 200 cc yeah
1: Lastly, last thing I want to say, the only thing I'm disappointed about in Mario Kart 8, I mentioned this earlier, is the roster. I find the roster very disappointing. So you have eight Koopalings in there. I love Ludwig. I'm glad he's there, because he's my boy. So maybe everyone's a fan of one Koopaling? Who knows? <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. There's a bunch of them that you don't care about. And I don't care if the Koopalings are in there. But where's Diddy Kong? Like, where is he? He's not in the game. Birdo well, is not let's there. let's be real. We need to have... What was it? Pink, gold, peach? There are four peaches and five Marios in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. You got Peach, Pink Gold Peach, Baby Peach, and Cat Peach. And then you got Mario, Tanuki, Mario, Metal Mario, Gold Mario, and Baby Mario. And it's like you have nine slots that are essentially two characters. Sure, Baby Mario, Baby Peach, why not? You had Baby Rosalina, who's not in anything else. She's new for this game. And then... You add, I really like the additions of Villager, Isabel, Link, Inkling in there, but you're missing some key Mario characters. You didn't have King Boo until Deluxe. He was not there before, and I think you need to have some sort of Boo. So, I don't know. The roster is just really confusing to me, because I feel like it's missing some iconic Mario characters, and then some of the choices are just really odd.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It There's just a lot of throwaway characters in there, and it's missing some of those just bizarre characters that they picked in games past talked about rob rob or funky kong need that funky mode (laughs) yeah and like the (laughs) honeybee from galaxy is in Mario Kart seven yeah yeah it it just feels like a cop-out when they dump in a bunch of those uh, koopalings and that takes up a huge portion of the entire roster and then just Mm -hmm. why in the world have pink gold peach or like who cares who's Who's using those? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know of too many people that actually use some of those like gold variants or whatever, Mm -hmm. just like the slightly different skins. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, I think, and there's even some other Mario characters that like, eh, they're fine. That are better than, are better than all these Mario and peach duplicates. Like, I don't know, Nabbit from the new Super Mario Bros. games. He's unique. He's different. Like, characters like that. Professor E. Gad would be awesome in a Mario Kart game. Like, I don't know. I feel like in the next Mario Kart, I want to see them just blow up the character roster and add in way more choices. Yeah, let's talk
0: about that. We're, we are have no idea what the future of Mario Kart is because... Oh,
1: Mario Kart Tour. Way, we
0: didn't talk about that one. I don't... It sucks. <laughs> it does. It's gross. Uh, the way things are with the Switch, we don't know if they have any intentions of having another Mario Kart on the console, or if they're going to try and capitalize on having a Mario Kart ready at the start of the next console, whenever that is. But we have no idea when the next Mario Kart is, and it's been a long time since 8 originally came out. So for a Mario Kart 9, what is what is the key thing that, that they need to, uh, to either improve on or add from Mario Kart 8?
1: Oh, well, keep the battle mode from 8 Deluxe. It's really good. Didn't talk about yeah. that, but it's really great. Uh, I like the new modes in there. But uh, more characters would be nice, but I have a gut feeling that they're going to go with what people have been saying, what I've been thinking too, and just do pull a Smash Ultimate and just be like, okay, here's every Mario Kart track ever. And just throw it in there into one massive Mario Kart game. And why not? I mean, they don't need to release a new one on Switch. This, this one has sold 25 million units. A port has sold 25 million. So they can hold the next Mario Kart until they launch whatever they're coming with next they have time to work on this thing and make it perfect so i wouldn't be surprised if we see if not every track ever just like a ton from every mario kart game and make it like a museum of the history of the entire franchise
0: yeah that that would be really cool yeah character roster needs to be better i would i would really like to see some sort of mission mode come back i know we said yeah. that they're probably mm-hmm. going to ignore that but that would be the main feature that i i think would be really cool to come back from old mario kart games um the swapping of items from double dash so in double dash you could have one character hold one item and one character hold another item and yeah. whoever's driving it depends on who's like the order that you're throwing in if you're playing in single player mode mm-hmm. and they have the option to have multiple items in in Mario Kart 8 but only you can in only eight use deluxe, the first... fun fact. that was added what? in 8 deluxe really it was yeah. 8 deluxe okay yeah, uh-huh. well 8 deluxe it's in there with the two items but the first item is the only one that you can actively use, and you have to get rid of it in order to use mm-hmm. the second item that's there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I kind of like the ability to swap between the two items in Double Dash, and I think that'd be a nice feature to, to have come back if they do bring back the, the two items from 8 Deluxe.
1: Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to have the option to Double Dash it up and have and have like multiple people on one cart. That'd be fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it just feels like Double Dash is its own thing. I would be super surprised if they bring back the Double Dash concept again. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so tied to that one game. Like, I'd love to see it come back, but it just feels like that is its own, like, contained experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: It's real weird. But having something along those lines of something a little bit different would be really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Because you're at the point now where a lot of the additions that they're doing, whether it be the anti-gravity or even the hang gliding and the underwater sections are just like these small little incremental improvements and to have something that could, that could change up the gameplay like double dash did with the two characters would be really cool to have because okay. you're getting to the point now where it's, it's just a lot of little things. Yeah. And it'd be nice to see them try and take it in a different direction like double dash did, whether or not that's the two character system or something.
1: And I, I think it will always be called Mario Karts because that brand sells like hotcakes, but I would not be opposed to seeing more guest appearances and guest tracks. Kirby, on his Warp Star, is a perfect fit for Mario Kart from the Nintendo universe. And throw that in with some sort of Kirby-themed track, that'd be an awesome ad. I don't think it needs to go full Smash Bros. Like, here, eight Mario tracks, eight Zelda tracks. Keep it primarily to the Mario, but then just have a few more guest appearances from these other Nintendo franchises. We all thought Link in Mario Kart was weird, and I think it actually works really well. It was Nintendo in the Wii U era, like, please buy a Wii U. Here's Link in Mario Kart with a Hyrule track. Please, just buy it. F-Zero, it's back in Mario Kart. So just have some more guest appearances, like in the later cups, or think of it this way, if they don't go with, like, bringing back a ton of tracks from every Mario Kart, say you have your four new cups at the top, like new Mario Kart cups, ending with Bowser and Rainbow Road, like always, four retro cups bringing back... Um, bringing back sixteen more tracks from old Mario Kart games, and then four cups of Nintendo, other Nintendo games, or something like that. So like it's another row of cups that is like guest stars, like Link, Kirby, Inkling's, Animal Crossing, whatever you decide to add from Nintendo's library. I think that was a really cool direction. It fit with Mario Kart, I thought, really well. It didn't feel weird. Um, so I'd like to see them do more of that.
0: Yeah, and some of the Mario Kart eight. 8- Tracks. some of the best ones are those guest character tracks yeah and so just having more of those i'm all for that Mm -hmm. because for whatever reason those tracks ended up being some of the best in the game
1: yeah man i love mute city i love mute city so much it's so much fun
0: so good yeah 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 i wonder when the next mario kart game is going to come out it'd be it'd be a solid plan to have a new mario kart coming out around the time that their next console launches like they have bought themselves that ability with uh with the port Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and, and having that launch right around when the Switch came out. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a really smart move to try and move those units at the start of that next console.
1: Yeah,
0: That just means we've got to wait longer, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which I think is what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. We're running a bit long. Before we wrap this up,
1: three favorite tracks. Three favorite we... tracks. Uh, I honestly think that they're all from the current Mario Kart. Uh, I think that Cloud Top Cruise is my favorite track of all time. Uh, from Mario Kart 8, I just adore that. It has the galaxy-themed music in there. Yep. I like the clouds to the airship to the lightning portion. It's just super cool looking. Mount Wario is just a thrill ride from start to finish. It all flows together, yet at the same time, all three segments are very distinct from each other. From going down the mountain through like the power plant area, the the forest um, with all the trees you have to avoid, and then like the the slope, like the skiing slope down past the crowd to the end. It is just. It's exhilarating from start to finish. And then I'll pick one that's not an eight. Uh, I'd probably go with one I think you have on, on your list, uh, DK Mountain from DK Mountain, Double Dash yeah. uh, and Daisy Cruiser from Double Dash. Are two Daisy Cruiser is another I really great love. one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm picking mine based on uh, nostalgia. <laughs> so DK Mountain uh-huh. is on there. Uh, that and uh, and Daisy's Cruiser are my two favorite tracks uh, from, from Double Dash. But... I always thought it was really cool to rocket up to the mountain and then having to traverse yourself all the way back down. It's yeah. like this whole like story thing to get back down so you can pop up there and do it again. Because yeah. you're like flying over the track, and it's like a preview of what you're going to be doing as you're going back down the track. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Royal Raceway, as a kid, I just thought it was super cool to see uh, Peach's Castle from Mario Kart 64 basically just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only reason I pick it. That and the jump was really cool, and you can kind of glitch it out where – if you're up at the top and then you like hug the wall and like boost against the wall, you can drop off of the side and just kind of fall off. Uh, we just did a bunch of stupid <laughs> stuff with, uh, uh-huh. with Mario Kart 64, and then Waluigi Pinball, one of the like I
1: love that track. tracks
0: tracks uh, with some of the best music in uh, for a Mario Kart track, and just it shows what what they can do when they just pick a really bizarre concept. And just have like pinballs, like flying through that pinball section at the end. It's a relatively simple track for what it is. Uh, but just the atmosphere, the music of the track, the uniqueness of the track, and then just the the end area with the bumpers and having the the pinballs be, be rolling around with you on the track, uh, I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good tracks.
1: Wario and Waluigi yeah. have really good tracks.
0: They do. They do. They're some, they're some of my favorites, Wario mm-hmm. and Waluigi, whether it be the stadiums or the pinball or whatever they're all really good tracks yeah mario kart's a good time i am patiently waiting for mario kart 9 whenever that is
1: yeah yeah me too. all
0: right any final thoughts before we finish this off
1: i don't think so just stay safe out there everyone it is it is a it is a strange time right now
0: yeah support your friends and family black creators for sure Mm -hmm. um definitely check out some of the uh uh, some of the work that's being done with with kind of funny and IGN, a lot of the uh, the work they're doing to try and amplify th- those voices. There's a lot of good podcasts out there uh, to listen to because, unfortunately, we're just not the the people to talk on those experiences. But there are a bunch of people that mm-hmm. are really deserving of your eyes and ears to hear their experiences. And there's a lot of places that you can go uh, to to find that and find out where you can help with uh, with donations. Or, or your time, or any of these things, there's a bunch of places that you can go uh, for that, so I'd highly recommend going and searching those yeah, out. And
1: we're even though we're not the people to talk about it, we're still obviously trying to be allies and support this cause, and point you in the direction to, uh, to find that content and find those stories and those voices, so uh, if you listeners have anything that you want us to to watch or read or listen to or discover ourselves, send us an email, odegamescast at gmail.com. And with any suggestions you have of, of content that you have found informative, inspiring or anything like that during this time. And, and we'd be happy to take a look at it.
0: Yeah, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of Ode to Games. We're here on Fridays on Apple podcasts, Spotify, other podcast streaming services that you may use. We are on Twitter at Ode to Games. Like Logan said, you can send us an email at Odagamescast. at gmail.com. For Logan, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week.